Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the Universal Freemason Podcast. I am your host, J.T. Asher. We are the Universal Freemason Research Society, which is a non-profit educational organization teaching Masonic philosophies to the masses as a means to improve society. The Tyler has been dismissed, and this podcast is open to all ears. Everyone is welcome. There are no secrets here. <laughs> all right. Okay, everybody. Well, um, welcome back to uh, Universal Freemason Podcast. I uh, hope your holidays were very good. We uh, took a little hiatus here and kind of regroup and uh, feeling good too. A little bit of a rough going here. We'll talk about that in a later podcast. But uh, but the uh, wonderful news is is that everything is well and. Uh, Onward and upward in 2021. Huh. So uh, I just wanted to say, I as I con- contemplated the second season of our quaint little podcast here. Oh, and be, don't let me, and I won't forget this. Thank you for 2,500 plays so far for season one. Uh, really, I never imagined there would be that much interest. So thank you very much for that. That means a lot. Um but as I, I contemplated season two and what I thought the podcast should become this season, I thought it might be interesting to have maybe a series of episodes, maybe exploring one Masonic author or one aspect of Masonic philosophy at a time so we don't bounce around so much and you know seemingly not be focused on the mission here which is to teach Masonic philosophies to the masses to improve society. But I also want to do it in a way that's semi-interesting and entertaining. Uh, Subject matter like this, it's hard to make it that way, but it can be. We can have fun with this, uh, for sure, you know. And I'll, I'll be honest, in season one, and this was due to life being as unsettled as it was, and to a... Good amount uh, to and uh, you know to and and in good measure I should say, um, life still is kind of upended, um, but um, I tended to not really know what the subject matter was going to be from one episode to the next in season one. So I would read as much as I could during a week, and when something seemed worthy to share, or then I would share it. Or if something culturally was happening, I would immerse myself in it and share Masonically the lessons in it and how maybe we could uh, move in that time to bring peace to the problems that were prevalent in uh, in 2020. And God knows there were a lot. And frankly, you know, on a good note, I really didn't think the podcast would have generated enough interest to last maybe an episode or two. So really I was caught pleasantly surprised by the interest. So again, um, I I thank you for that. So to begin season two, 
let's take a look at a subject that I have previously written a lot about in the past, and it's a subject that actually created the Universal Freemason Research Society. And that subject is uh, Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike. And the way that that created the Universal Freemason Research Society was I was doing uh, a weekly blog and a written blog uh, I was pasting, well, we started with chapter one, I would paste a paragraph or two, sometimes several paragraphs, um, I would paste that into the blog, and then in a different color font, I would uh, offer my opinion on what I thought that meant, what, what Pike might have been thinking at the time, how we could apply that to our to our lives. And... Uh, as that interest grew, I thought, well, I was having a little bit of trouble with, uh, you know, with that being accepted by as a means to do works through my own Masonic Lodge. So I decided, okay, well, I'll create my own nonprofit educational. I will do use my talents the best that I can to do my works, and you know, I will. Uh, make that a legitimate nonprofit by means of getting a business license and a federal number and everything else that I needed to do. So so that's how that created that. And I thought that it was a good idea at the time. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of people that have told me that our efforts here haven't gone in vain. People actually like what we're doing. Some people have written and said that it, it caused them to join a Masonic Lodge, um, and, and to turn to Freemasonry. Other people have written to say that it cleared a lot of things up for them about Freemasonry and things like that. So that's really our mission here is just to, to be transparent and honest about what Freemasonry is. And, and um, Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike and the study for that created this. So I owe a lot to that. <clears throat> okay, in this episode, we will... We're going to call this uh, an introduction to Albert Pike before we get into the book proper. I want to lay some groundwork about a few things. Uh, I want to make sure that my thoughts are known about Pike himself. And we'll start talking about this after a word from our sponsor, Anchor Podcast App. This is the Universal Freemason Podcast. I will be right back. Okay, I'm back, and welcome back, Season 2, Episode 1, and this is our introduction to Albert Pike before we get into his book, Morals and Dogma, written in 1871. So Albert Pike, now, I realize Albert Pike is a controversial figure, as it is, and for me, it's controversial anyway, him being, being, having been a general in the Confederacy in the United States Civil, Civil War in the 1800s. Now, those not familiar with the United States, with United States history, um, there were 
opposing sides in the Civil War in, in the 1800s. There, were, there was the Union side, which opposed uh, slavery, and they were mostly northern states at the time. And there, were, there was the Confederate side. And the Confederate side was southern states that seceded from the Union and from the Constitution that was drafted and, and uh, the laws that carried the United States as it was. They seceded from that and they elected their own president. And they stood to keep up the practice of slavery, namely Africans, uh, working in servitude uh, to please the wish of their masters. And this was a lot of uh, labor in plantations. Cotton was the big thing back then. Uh, but there was also tobacco and sugarcane, all kinds of other crops that they would enslave people to work the fields, and which is a really dark part of American history. Uh, and Pike, unfortunately, was a general in the Confederacy at the time that this was going on. Now, without getting into deep history, and really, uh, really, you need to understand the two sides and and slavery being the main subject for the reasons of war. So we had two sides: one opposed slavery, one wanted to keep slavery, and uh, secession as well, because that was due to slavery. So we had a, a seceding side. We had one side that wanted to keep the government as it was. We have one side that didn't want slavery, and we have one side that did. So this is what we need to understand to go forward. Now, um, now Albert Pike ended up on the Confederate side, as I said. And uh, as I have stated many times, both in writing when I was doing the Albert Pike blog and on episode one, season one uh, of this podcast, now I'm, I'll never be an apologist for Pike and his role in the Civil War. Now, I do not condone the use of slaves, or I don't condone racism that comes with that. And I certainly remain, a, remain appalled at the idea that one group of people would ever dehumanize another group of people for the purposes of uh, free labor. or And also, there's a big portion of genocide that, came with slavery. So, really, slavery has been the modern-day catalyst, has been the catalyst for modern-day racism that exists today in the United States. So, slavery was the catalyst for our modern-day racism that exists today in the United States. This is how long this has been going on. Now, when the Civil War ended, Pike did serve his time in penance for his actions in the war. Uh, President Andrew Johnson did pardon Albert Pike, and Pike had a full life after the Civil War. And uh, this went from everything from editing newspapers. Pike was involved in uh, uh, politics and uh, he just had a plethora of acts and attributes. He was a wrote poetry. He wrote uh, so many Masonic books and so many Masonic opinions. It, it's it's unreal. And 
readily available for anyone to study and use uh, online. And uh, I'm not going to get into too much of this kind of history because it does tend to bore people. But I would uh, I would uh, recommend highly uh, to do as I did, kind of look past the Luciferian uh, accusations of Pike and all of the anti-Masonic writings that you'll find, and Pike always seems to be at the center of that. Evangelicals, unfortunately, have taken Pike's image and uh, pretty much tarnished it. <laughs> so they made him out to be this really evil person. And uh, I had to look beyond that when I was first getting into Freemasonry. I'm going to talk about that in, in a minute, and uh, we're, we'll talk about my personal uh, growth with Albert Pike. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Let's skip to 1871. Uh, so Pike gets out of the Civil War. Andrew Johnson uh, gives him his pardon. Pike now becomes this uh, contributor to American society. Uh, he contributes in a lot of ways as a lawyer, as a writer, as a newspaper editor. So he does a whole lot of things with his life after that. So we're skipping to 1871. Well, uh, I'll say this. Now, Pike had been a Freemason since 1850. Uh, so in 1871, that's 21 years after uh, Pike becomes a lodge member. And I believe that lodge was in Arkansas. I think that's where he began. So 21 years later, now he's fully involved in uh, Scottish Rite Freemasonry, and at, now he is living at the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C. He has become the Grand Commander, um, and he's living in, in the temple, and he is writing and working nonstop there. And he's also working alongside the likes of, um, of Albert G. Mackey, and he's really putting a lot of influence and writing rituals and everything else with Mackey, and, and they're having their arguments about what rituals should be. And so this is a really, really living uh, time that Freemasonry was alive and being formed uh, into modern-day Freemasonry as we know it. So and Pike was heavily involved in that. Um, so he writes Morals and Dogma uh, of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite in 1871. Now, Morals and Dogma of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite, which is the full title, which we have, which we now just call Morals and Dogma. This is a collection of lessons and lectures of all 32 degrees of Scottish Rite Freemasonry. Now, remember, the 33rd degree is, is a uh, honorary degree, so the 33rd degree is not listed in Morals and Dogma. We go to 32 proper degrees. Now, in uh, Morals and Dogma, Pike, um, he writes about symbolism of the degrees and origins of ceremonies. And so he goes really in depth, and this is what chases a lot of people off when they begin to read it, because he starts to go really in depth about where all of this started to come from, where these rituals, what they were based on. And we're going way back to Greek mythology, we're going back to um, some uh, uh, Arabic stuff. So we're going back a long ways in all of this. Okay, so this is, frankly, many people get scared of it because they don't want to get back. And like I said, history tends to bore people. So 
We're going to try and make it as fun as we can, and I'm only going to do the highlights of these chapters, so don't worry. We're going to have about a nine, uh, a series of about nine podcasts on for three chapters. Okay, so, and that'll start next time. Um, now for me, <clears throat> Morals and Dogma has been a favorite Masonic book uh, since before I joined a Masonic lodge. Now, I remember when my path leading me to Freemasonry and Lodge membership, um, I I wanted to absorb as much as I could about Freemasonry. So I scoured sources like sacredtext.com for books about the craft. And sacredtext.com is where I found Morals and Dogma. I also found the Lost Keys of Freemasonry by Manly P. Hall there. And you know, I started to fill my brain with these wonderful Masonic writings about Freemasonry. So, now I'm excited and subsequently initiated into Freemasonry. I started to inquire with my fellow Lodge members uh, if they had read these books. And it was odd when I saw their faces turn, shall I say, dour. <laughs> uh, or they would look away when I would bring these books up and not really say much. And uh, many would offer excuses as to why they had not or would not read these books. You know, some even tried to dissuade me from my reading these books too. <laughs> it was really interesting. Now, and my pushback, remember, I'm new in the craft, and, you know, unfortunately, I'm being treated as if I was new in the, in the craft, you know, so I'm not getting much dialogue, shall I say. But my pushback was to express that, hey, you know, if we're going to be good practitioners and students of the craft, then should we not actually be studying its history and the people who blaze the trails that we now walk on. So I decided at this point, and as a newly initiated lodge member, to use my talents writing and teaching to create that weekly study of morals and dogma that I talked about. And uh, if you want to find those early writings, the earliest, the early chapters are on MasonicMe.com. Oh, excuse me, no. MasonicMe.wordpress.com. Um, That's what it is. <laughs> I had to think a minute. Um, and the later chapters are at moralsanddogmastudy.blogspot.com. So, haven't been two different places. So, as I said, I decided, well, I'm going to, um, I like it. I like the book. I think other people will like it if it's, uh, presented in a good way, if it's presented in a way that's interesting, um, a way that would cause some thought. And so I decided to make the blog. And of course, there was a lot of commotion in my lodge against me for doing that. And I talked about that in an earlier episode, so I won't rehash that. But uh, the idea that I had was to cause a conversation. And I wanted people to write to me and offer their viewpoints too. And let's discuss, you know, chapter one, you know, paragraph three. Let's see, how do you feel about that? That was the idea. And I had some good interaction with that. 
and uh, some not so much. Some I didn't have any interaction at all, was mostly. Um, but as I said, I did get great feedback from really all over the world. I had a really good following in all places uh, was the Philippines at the time. Uh, Philippine lodges were using uh, my study of morals and dogma in their meetings. And so it was quite interesting. I, I had a pretty good following there. Also, this opened up a monthly article for me to write for a magazine that's not around anymore, but it was called the Working Tools Masonic Magazine. And I had a monthly article covering morals and dogma in there and that for uh, about three years. So until they went defunct because things, I think we hit the recession at the time and it was uh, bad news for everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, as I say, uh, this did expose me to some jealousy and some mean-spirited reactions from some that I knew at the time. And frankly, it was hurtful because all I was trying to do was my works in Freemasonry, and you'll always encounter some kind of pushback. So, okay, so uh, that's some history, and I'm sorry for the rambling there, but that's some history about how we are here at this time and where my interest arose about morals and dogma. Now, I'll tell you now that the reason why the first three chapters of morals and dogma are important is because those chapters cover the first three degrees of Freemasonry, or what we call Blue Lodge degrees. Every Freemason begins their lodge and Masonic journey there. Then, many will go on to Scottish Rite degrees, or York Rite, or Knights Templar degrees, and some Masons are really energetic, and they'll cover them all in their lifetime. And uh, which means that they're probably not home a lot, <laughs> the lodge a lot, doing a lot of work. So, um, so the thing to remember there is the first three degrees we all start with. After that, people will find their niche in other degrees and uh, and continue their Masonic journey that way. Uh, we would all agree, though, that. The Master Mason degree, or third degree, is actually the highest degree in Freemasonry. Um, other degrees will take you to 32 degrees. If you're a real philanthropist and really something in your, in your community and in society, you will be conferred the 33rd degree in Scottish Rite. Um, but the third degree is indeed the, the highest degree. Okay, so we'll start there, and uh, that gives you a pretty good introduction to Pike, what morals and dogma is, and why I'm so interested in it. So, and I think I rambled enough. <laughs> uh, we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna have uh, nine episodes to begin the season, starting next episode, and we're gonna go through the first highlights. I say highlights, highlights, highlights of the first three degrees. So we're not going to ramble on about every chapter and go on and on. This would take a long time. When I wrote the blog, when I was writing the blog, it took me 10 years to go through 32 chapters. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, that would bore you to death probably. Uh, and please, if you would do me a favor, let me know what you would, if, 
if you don't want to hear about morals and dogma, I'll take a consensus in the next uh, in the next week as I as I do my research and write out what we're going to do for um, for our uh, chapters here. Um, let's uh, let me know if you'd rather not hear about it and would rather me carry on to something else, and I'll certainly uh, change direction. Um, I'm always happy to take advice. So, uh, but I would say. Give give me a chance on one episode for the first chapter. See how you like it. If you think that it's a good idea, then I'll go forward. If you think not, then we'll stop and we'll uh, go on back on over to. Uh, we'll check out Manly P. Hall and the Lost Keys of Freemasonry. That's that was going to be my next um, nine episodes anyway. Okay, all right. So that's it for now. This has been. The Universal Freemason Podcast. Go in peace. So mote it be. I will see you next time. Thank you for joining me today.